Mark Selby, Chair and CEO of Canon Nickel Company, uh, advancing the Crawford Nickel Sulfide discovery, uh, which in just a, over a few years is now one of the largest nickel sulfide discoveries uh, ever. And we recently announced uh, 18 transactions to pick up an additional 13 targets to consolidate what we think is going to be one of the world's most important nickel districts anchored around Timmins, Ontario. Mark, good to see you again. Saw you last week in London. Uh, you got back safely, did you? I did, most certainly. No Omicron either, so all good. <laughs> no Omicron. All right, I'm sorry we couldn't give that to you uh, as a gift, parting gift. But um, I want to talk to you because we, we had a great conversation last week. Put a link below uh, to, for those who haven't seen it yet. Um, but you put out the announcements with regards to this, 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 uh, these acquisitions, 18, 18 acquisitions for, on, for 13 new uh, targets. Uh, and you talk the language of, you know, a, a district hiding, hiding in plain sight. Um, first of all, tell us about the deal. I mean, how long did that take to put together? Yeah. So we've been working on it, you know, over the last six months. Uh, you know, we, we, these types of deposits, again, Dumont Past Life, Crawford, this one, the, the, the regional ones that we had, they have a very distinct geophysical footprint. So we looked across the broader Timmins region um, and were you know, shocked to find that you know, there was a you know, huge number of targets uh, lying out there and was even more surprised that when we started going through the historical drilling information that's available through the geological survey, you know, you know we basically, we've called them uncoveries because you know, when you combine the geophysical footprint that we know is a great indicator of, of targeting this nickel and, and some of the historical drilling, we're just putting the two together to say, you know, um, you know we still have some more work to do uh, for sure, but you know, we probably made at least a half a dozen discoveries out of the 13 targets that we just picked up. How, how, so how, how do you say that? I mean, how much data have you got? Because we get a lot of CEOs come on here, they talk about targets, uh, and that most yeah. of those targets don't become discoveries and don't become mines. So you, you've got some data, one, one presumes, that's going to back up yeah. your view that you have identified or you're, you're building up a dis, a, you know, additional districts here. Yeah. So, so first off, you know, geophysically, yeah, again, you know, everyone talks about an exciting anomalies and targets, you know, that or it can be pretty meaningless, you know, in, in this case, uh, again, that the way this mineralization gets formed, you know, does give it a very distinct uh, geophysical footprint. You know, we anchored uh, the uh, analysis based on Crawford and, and some of the other targets. And what was amazing was, you know, as we went through this very long list of targets, there was only one uh, that did not yield a, a, a hole that had serpentinized dunite or serpentinized peridotite. So our targeting was literally, you know, close to 95% in terms of geophysical anomaly, you know, hits the right host mineralization. Uh, and then we've got the second level down where, you know, some of these targets, uh, 10 of which are larger than Crawford, uh, you know, there was a whole series of drill holes that were done in the, in the 50s, 60s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Um, but, you know, again, looking back with the lens uh, that we have now, you know, able to, to show that, you know, they've, they've delineated in some cases, you know, a kilometer by 500 meters worth of the kind of host mineralization that we're talking about and logged in a way that describes the mineralization in a very similar way to what we have. Some of them do have assays and again, north of 0.3%, which for us, you know, is, is higher grade material. So, you know, very, very exciting by what we found, which was why there's 35 pages in that press release. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a long one. But it's, it's, I really need to understand this because, again, I, I want to understand what is just headline grabbing and what's just, you know, attention grabbing stuff and, and, and what's real. You've, you've taken the data from Crawford and said, here's 
here are the th- here are the variables which we uh, think are really really important. If we can go and match those elsewhere, we believe that we can more easily target or and and certainly do something that no one else has done before. Because you're talking about these are uncoveries, not discoveries. Uncoveries. So it's all been laying yeah. laying in plain sight, according to you. So what precisely did you identify that you needed to find, and then how did you go about finding those things? Yeah. So so again the the. Um, the, the process that you know serpentinizes the rock to create the nickel minerals that we can then recover also creates magnetized magnetite and and again a certain amount of magnetite. Given it has a certain amount of magnetite, you know it lights up within a certain magnetic intensity range. So Steve Balcher is our VP exploration. He basically you know if you look at a map of of the Abitibi you know sort of raw geophysical data, lots of stuff lights up. But what he was able to do is to basically tune into the sort of the magnetic intensity that our deposits show up and basically take out the rest of the background noise. And again, we just went through systematically, you know, there's X targets that showed up. I'm not going to say because there's a couple that we haven't picked up yet. And, you know, basically went through bang, 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 bang. And, and we were shocked by how, <laughs> how, how good this was at targeting, you know, and, and delivering serpentinized uh, dunite and prototype uh, that had come up. Um, you know, the, the, the second piece of it was, uh, you know, the reason some of this stuff hadn't been drilled before was in the 70s, um, early 70s, there was a few nickel discoveries around the Timmins area, and those were the, on the edge of these structures. So what you saw was a lot of the drilling that happened in the 70s and 90s was around the edges of the structures trying to get stuff that was kind of north of 1% nickel. Um, but, you know, again, what we're interested in is the fact that the last 150 meters of the hole, you know, hit 0.3% nickel, um, you know, on the edge of what is a two kilometer by 400 meter anomaly or a six kilometer by 300 meter anomaly, you know, and we saw that time and time again. So it's just looking at some of this historical data with a new lens that, you know, makes this stuff, you know, come very, come up and become very, very real. Right. Okay. And you're saying like one or more of these are bigger than you've got at Crawford, which is already what top, top 10 in terms of size globally. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. And and the largest discovery since the early seventies. And yeah, no, there's 10 of them that have a larger geophysical footprint than, than what we had at Crawford. Gotcha. Okay. So given that you want to sort of, I guess, position yourself as potentially something like a Sulawesi or a Sudbury or Eastern Goldfields or Bushveld or, you know, Qingxuan, for for instance, to, to do that, you're going to have to piece all these together. But are you going to be doing that now or is there, is there a process or a time frame for doing Because we all want you focused on Crawford and, deli- and delivering yeah. Crawford. So what's the plan? Yeah, Crawford remains focus one, you know, that feasibility study on track, you know, for this by this time next year. Um, you know, what we're going to do with these, these regional properties is first, we want to do some more detailed geophysics on them. And then we're going to start to pick away um, drilling, you know, each of them. And again, doing it on a wide space, wide space basis. Uh, to highlight the potential, you know, we don't necessarily need a lot more resource. You know, we're talking about a 50 to 100% increase in the resource at Crawford, which would, you know, end up being close to two to two and a half billion tons. Uh, another 500 million tons is, it's, you know, it won't be part of the mine plan and, and won't add value that way. But what we want to clearly demonstrate, you know, when you look at when projects get taken out, you know, for 1.2 to 1.5 times project NPV, it's because a, they have a robust project, and B, they have a you know clearly demonstrated regional resource potential, and, and it's that latter part you know that we're going to do enough drilling at this point 
um, to be able to demonstrate the potential. Once Crawford gets fully valued, and again, that would be at a multiple of where we are in today's share price, then we'll look at raising the money to drill that out more intensely. But, you know, again, Crawford job one, regional potential job two, you know, and, and it'll be just focused on potential as opposed to resource at this point in time. So, so what, is, what, do you, what does that signal to the marketplace in terms of what, what you're prepared to do, or how far you're prepared to go? Because you talked about getting a strategic partner in the end of this year. Is that separate to this announcement or does it have any bearing on what you've announced? Yeah, the strategic investor, no, it's, it's, a, it's a you know separate process. And again, targeting, having that in place by the end of the year. Obviously, you know, this, this kind of district scale potential, um, you know, has, has helped um, you know, has helped sell it um, definitely in terms of, of, of what we've got here. So, uh, you know, again, which is, which is what we want to do. I mean, the majors want to buy large scale, multi-decade, multi-expansion assets, you know, and the fact that we have all of these nickel targets sitting next to highways, railways, power lines, close to infrastructure, you know, and made up of rocks, um, that spontaneously absorb CO2, um, you know, is, is, a, is, a, is, is a massive, massive, you know, upside. And again, you know, the, stock, the, the stocks reacted very, very well, but I don't think people really realize, you know, the scale of what we've been able to, you know, uncover here, you know, uncover in plain sight effectively. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you make a good point here. You've talked uh, extensively for about the past year with regard to net zero carbon potential for yourselves in terms of your own project or projects. Um, but at this scale, it starts becoming looking like a very different company in terms of carbon credits as well. Oh, yeah. No, in terms of the scale and the carbon credits, you know, one, you know, Crawford, you know, the resource we have from the main zone, which is about 900 million tons, is on less than a square kilometer of this geophysical footprint. Uh, you know, we just acquired 37 square kilometers of, of a similar geophysical footprint. That's 40 times um, what's there. Uh, and, and again, we know this type of mineralization does spontaneously absorb CO2. You know, what, you know uh, I've been joking that we might end up being a carbon credit mine with a nickel byproduct credit. Um, and, you, you know, the, all of those, these rocks that we've just acquired, uh, we know, uh, you know, we'll have that kind of capacity based on the logs that we've seen um, from the drilling uh, that was done uh, historically. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, this, the scale of what's there, you know, people think that new nickel discoveries are, you know, it's got to be a new discovery that's the source of major source of new supply. You know, the reality in the nickel industry is we've, you know, we've had, you know, effectively two generations of, of, of nickel supply. The first one was, you know, big sulfide deposits like Sudbury. Um, but, you know, that was known for 15 to 20 years before Sudbury, you know, Inco figured out how to separate nickel from copper and it produced a pile of nickel just in time for World War I when they used it for armor. You know, Qingshan um, in, in the mid 2000s, um, you know, developed nickel pig iron but again it wasn't some brand new discovery in in, in Sulawesi in fact you know most of the most of that most of the resource that's been mined today that represents the bulk of the growth um, in nickel production over the last decade um, was drilled off decades ago and, and anything that wasn't drilled off before then was definitely drilled off by Inco in the 1960s and 70s you know new major new sources of nickel come from taking existing resources with a new lens um, and a new source of demand, you know, which which wants the specific characteristics of the type of nickel being produced. You know, 
Inco went on from that early 1900s to become a Dow Jones 30 company in 1930. You know, Qingshan today went from, you know, a small regional stainless steel producer in central China to being one of uh, being the world's largest stainless producer and the world's largest nickel producer, you know, in the read through value from the nickel mines, which has a little stub of what uh, Qingshan has um, would be decades, uh, sorry, tens of billions of dollars worth of market cap today. You know, that's what the leaders of a new generation of nickel supply in terms of the market value they're able to generate. You know, we truly believe that the Timmins district, you know, and what we've got started here with Crawford, you know, is going to be the leading large scale, low carbon source of nickel, you know, for the EV market and consumers in the West, you know, who are desperate to get new sources of nickel that and don't have to depend on Indonesia and China to get that nickel. It, it's interesting, and, we, and we've talked about this on one of our shows, the, the weekly um, Battery Battle show, um, where Indonesia limiting permits for new MPI projects and what the potential impacts of that could be in terms of um, not only supply, but in terms of pricing. And for you you guys, you producers in, in the West, I mean, do you see that? Well, how, how do you see that being played out? I, I think, you know, the bear case for, for nickel, you know, has been, oh, Indonesia always comes along and spoils the party. You know, they always seem to find more nickel and it's, it's endless. Um, but I think if, you know, you read through a whole series of announcements this year, you know, it might not be quite as endless as, as people think, and particularly the Indonesian government uh, believes, you know, in the spring, they started limiting uh, new, there's no new NPI projects that are being permitted. It has to go through to a final product. Um, you know, what caused the nickel price to spike last week by nearly 10% in a week is, is that the Indonesian government is mulling a ban on the export of nickel pig iron in order to conserve the nickel resource they have to, to be focused on more higher value added uh, production. You know, it was always going to be a challenge for Western car companies to, to depend on Indonesian sources of, you know, basically a Chinese controlled part of Indonesia as a source of new supply. Um, these, these measures by Indonesia are going to make that even, even less likely that's going to occur. And the reality is, is neo nickel supply in the West has been shrinking, uh, you know, for most of the last 10 years. And I think the car companies in North America, based on the intensity of the discussions we're having, have kind of woken up to that reality. And if they want, you know, the amounts of nickel that they need by the end of this decade, um, you know, they're not going to get it from the, the, the existing producers uh, and they need to find new sources of supply, you know, as soon as possible. They are, they are. Um, and if anyone wants to know more about that one, go, go join us uh, for our weekly nickel show on cruxinvestor.com. They're advertising. Um, just back, back to you, though, in terms of um, the partner, strategic partner that you're bringing in, um, we've had a few questions sent in with regards to you know what that could look like off the back of our chat last week. So they're, they're coming in as, obviously, they're putting money in yeah. of some quantum to, to be announced uh, for some equity position. To be, to be announced. Um, and how active do you want them to be? Do they expect to be, or how influential in terms of the decision? Are they getting a, like a board seat? Is there, can you give us some insight into what type of relationship we're looking at there? Yeah, they're, they're again, given sort of the, the, the type of stake in terms of, you know, 10 to 15% range that we're kind of, you know, been targeting all the way along, you know, that having a board seat on a, on a board of now, that would be eight. Um, would be, you know, is, you know, in, in line with that kind of equity ownership, uh, you know, in terms of, of, of being active, you know, again, we think there's a limited set 
uh, of opportunities that are out there. You know, again, with the district scale play that we have, you know, there's there's a much larger Crawford or sets of Crawfords waiting to be to to be developed. So having a deep pockets partner alongside, you know, to help unlock some of that sooner than later, you know, will obviously you know be 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 much 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 more uh, helpful. You know, and again, get us to that point of being the next Dinko or the next Qingshan uh, of of this third generation of nickel supply. Right, and and I think, and again, we're, we're also people suggesting they they believe they know know who it is because you've you've done deals previously with with uh, Glencore, but there are a lot of players out there looking. Well, not a lot. <laughs> there's more than one <laughs> looking. There's, yeah, for, there's more than one, and there's more than there's different groups that are out there. So yeah, right. So you've got optionality. Stay tuned on that. You've got competitive tension. Yeah, you're exactly. in control. Yes. Okay, Mark. That's that, that, that's good enough for me. Um, I just wanted a quick catch up because we didn't get the chance to kind of discuss some of those things because this came out after uh, we talked last week. Um, exciting times, uh, not long before the end of the year. Strategic partner in place by end of the year. Is that right? That's right. 